The legislature gets flushed down the funnel, Ernst sells us out for the NRA, and we have a special guest who gets judicial with us. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. I'm Lauren McElmeel, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top news stories. There's a lot going on in the legislature um, and, and, and a whole lot of uh, things going on on the ground here. Um, we also have a special guest, Jamie Birch Elliott, Public Affairs Manager of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Iowa, who will join us later. Um, but first, I think we wanted to talk about the, uh, uh, what's going on at the Iowa legislature. We originally called this Lauren's Legislative Corner, but I changed it. Uh, <laughs> we can call it that. <laughs> so we're fans of alliteration. The <laughs> the funnel came down last week, and fortunately, it killed all of the anti LGBTQ bills. So that is a really good thing. So that means that you know, Representative Wheeler doesn't get to tell people uh, which sports they can and can't do, and Woo-hoo! which rights they can and can't have. That's right. That's a big win for this session. Yes. Uh, unfortunately though, the abortion ban amendment is still moving and they held a hearing on Tuesday and there were a lot of really amazing, brave advocates who gave their personal testimonies and it's really not fair that they have to keep doing this and keep ripping themselves open and showing legislators that they are, they have to prove their humanity over and over again and it's upsetting, but they did really good work. And we all appreciate all the people that went and did that. There were a lot of powerful stories shared. I mean, some of them you can check out on our on our social media channels. Lauren, you pulled look on, and like look edited. on Instagram. I um, made I made some really sad stories into really pretty graphics. Yeah, um, there were so many more though too that that weren't that we just couldn't share. Um, but they're all. They're all online. There's video of that circulating. A lot of the work being done by Planned Parenthood to organize those. So, um, so shout out to anyone and Planned Parenthood and, and all the great uh, and uh, Nayral and Nayral. Thank you and all the partners who are helping to organize organize that response because there was a there was a huge response uh, against that amendment at that public hearing, and I think that's really important because. As like Lauren, you've been to these commit subcommittee and committee meetings. Like they're all planned and held intentionally. Like we've talked about on this all the time. Like they're held during the day when people can't go and they have to be at work in the morning on right. Thursdays. But and like on purpose so that people can't come out and participate. And so I think it's really key to note that when there was an opportunity in an evening to participate, people showed up in force in opposition and and spoke out. So meanwhile, at the federal level, Joni Ernst is still holding up the Violence Against Women Act reauthorization, and there's been some action on the ground here um, from local activists try- and people who this issue really affects to get this message out there that Joni Ernst isn't doing what she said she would, um, and a lot of it is due to you know what the NRA is saying Matt, what are what are your thoughts on this? Well, we had um, the opportunity to work with um, a great advocate for this, uh, Lily Liotto, whose sister was murdered last year um, by with a gun by an abusive ex boyfriend, and and there's a great 
uh, column by Reka Basu in the Des Moines Register that just dropped or just posted before we started recording. We can we'll include the link to it um, uh, with this episode. But I mean, it is I mean, it is pretty telling that people like Lily's sister very well could be alive um, if this law hadn't or if if the boyfriend loophole in the Violence Against Women Act had been closed and um, Ernst took that out of her version of the bill. And that's that's really troubling. Um, Can you explain what the boyfriend loophole is? Yes, of course. Um, well, current law bars a convicted domestic abuser from purchasing a firearm if they're married to their partner. But those same rules don't apply to a stalker of uh, like a, a dating partner. So um, so it's the boyfriend. It's it's commonly referred to as the boyfriend loophole. So in this case, um, Lily's sister um, had not been dating uh, her ex-boyfriend for, I believe, about five years is what she said. And um, and but he but he was still around and still like in and out of her life um, because they had uh, a, a daughter together and and ended up you know, murdering her with a gun and, um, that he was able to purchase legally despite having this domestic violence. Yes. Thank you. And so like, this is like, this is a specific case that could have been, that could have been avoided, but there are so many others like it. And, and it's really unfortunate that Senator Ernst won't include that in her version of the violence against women act and has like blocked this this bill from moving forward really at all i mean at this point um even even her watered down version of it um and it's very easy to draw a line behind that um that stop that that blocking of the legislation to the more than three million dollars that she's received from the nra it's a real straight line yeah um what was your take, Lauren? On I mean, we went with Lily to deliver petition signatures. We saw her do. There was she. She's the one who wanted to do this, but she. We saw her deliver petition signatures on this to Ernst's office, and then do a couple of media interviews. But what was your takeaway? The staffer who met her. There's a video of it on Twitter. The staffer who met her to take the petitions. Uh, Lily opened up saying that she, uh, you know, this issue is really important to her because her sister was murdered last year. And then the woman behind the desk just goes right, picks up the papers and walked back. <laughs> yeah, we should link to that, too, in the episode. Like it is. It's it's very it's, brutal. it's very gruff yeah. and not what you should. S- I mean, I would think that most people probably know what to say when someone says something really traumatic and. Right. really puts them in a vulnerable state. And the first thing you don't, you don't say right. And then just like leave. Yeah. Not the most human response to finding no. out that someone's sister had been murdered. Yeah. No. So like at least say, I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll certainly keep everyone updated as this either moves forward or not. We hope it will, but we'll, we'll be doing as much as possible to, to call on Senator Ernst to do something about this and close that boyfriend loophole. So joining us today is Jamie Birch Elliott from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Iowa. And we're going to talk about how the Trump administration is basically just remaking an entire branch of government in their own right wing extremist vision. 
Thank yeah. you for joining us, Jamie. Well, I am happy in to be here. In this hellscape. <laughs> yes. Uh, as per usual, everything is burning. Um, so, yeah. The Trump-Pence administration, like you said, is basically remaking an entire branch of government. So that's fun. Uh, so they're filling lifetime judicial seats with these just extreme nominees, right? And it's part of a whole agenda to restrict access to sexual and reproductive health and, uh, you know, ultimately uh, an attempt to chip away at abortion. And so the Senate leadership has confirmed, I think, almost 200 federal judges nominated by the current administration. I mean, it's like basically a blitz right it's like we blitz all night courts style um and meanwhile there's like what i just watched remember the titan (laughs) meanwhile there's just like piles and piles of bills from the house waiting outside of mitch mcconnell's office oh yeah they're doing like literally nothing else and they've there's this hundreds year long hundred years long process of nominating judges and i'm not saying that it's perfect or efficient but they're just flushing it down the toilet and doing everything the way they want to right so usually a nominee comes from a home state of a senator and then you get the other senator to sign the sheet of paper that then officially sends that person's name on to the president and it takes a long time and it's cumbersome and it's how the uh, how Mitch McConnell made sure that there were no federal judges under the Obama administration by holding up this process. Well, now that Donald Trump is president, they're just pretending that the whole process never existed and they're just doing it their own way. Can you imagine what an Obama judiciary would have been like? I don't want to get I don't want to like get weepy, but like what a time it would have been. I know, and these are lifetime appointments. And so what you saw under the Obama administration was uh, diversity in backgrounds and genders and race in age. And what you see from the Trump-Pence administration is a bunch of 50-year-old white dudes. There's like with, a graphic With varying somewhere. experiences and trials and judging and None mystery novel writing. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> And so as of, let's see, (laughs) last week, February 12th, 20% of the judges across the federal appellate and district courts had been appointed by the Trump administration. So one in four circuit judges. Gross. And yeah, so at this point in time, Obama had appointed 55 appellate court judges in eight years in office. And the Trump administration has blown that out of the water yeah and i mean these judges have really hostile views and this isn't just about reproductive rights this is about marriage equality and um you know workers rights and you name it i mean none of this none of the impacts of the trump pence administration exist in a vacuum obviously everything is connected and weaving together and you know really though what we're seeing related to reproductive rights is that these judges are promising to overturn Roe versus Wade, basically. And so we see this movement from the conservative Federalist Society, which sounds like a good thing, but it's not. 
Um, and really, it's just this pipeline for young anti-abortion ideologues to be confirmed to these lifetime court seats. Um, Sounds like a good gig, honestly. Like, I mean, it really does, but... Uh, not like for the rest of us, no, but like... No. if you're willing to sell out. If you're willing to yeah. like sell your soul and decide you don't that you just like hate women like join the trump administration join, yeah right. so seven recently seven confirmed judges have been deemed not qualified by the american bar association which is not like a super liberal group no especially not at that national level no and so i said this already but recent nominees are overwhelmingly white men 77% have been men and 82% are white. So those diverse. Are not, those are not good statistics. No. Nope, nope, nope. So really, I mean, you touched on this earlier in the podcast about um, the public hearing in Iowa, but from the smallest you know, levels of our government all the way up to the Trump-Pence administration and into the judiciary. There's this nationwide effort to undercut reproductive rights. And state legislators are passing anti-abortion bans at a dangerously fast pace. And these judges who hold lifetime appointments are going to be on the bench when these cases go to court. And so this isn't just something that we're dealing with now. This goes far beyond a Trump presidency, whether it that ends in at the end of this year or whether that ends in, what, nine, eight, nine years. I mean, this isn't just the here and now. This is f future, big time. That was eloquent. Um, and so really, so far... That's in, the name of the episode, future big time. Yeah, I'm uh, getting like... Trumpian in my vocabulary. Um, right. So, you know, <laughs> when we see all of these anti-abortion be bills become law, they'll be challenged in court. And so when the federal courts are stacked against you, you know, these are the people that will be called upon to decide people's basic human rights. And they're people that don't believe in these common things as basic human rights. Right. So you name it in the progressive space and we're doomed. Yeah. The, the conservative specifically like the anti-abortion movement has really been working on this for like 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. And this is now just like, this is, they're getting everything on their wish list. Like corporations are people, women are not LGBTQ people are not. And yeah, it's, it's always interesting to me that like, the courts received the least amount of attention and they are so important to everything that we want to pass in hopefully a new democratic administration. Well, I think any democratic administration. Well, I think you hit on it. Like they get the least amount of attention from usually from Democrats, from liberals, but like Republicans have been talking like for, for 40 years have been talking about this so that we're seeing the result of that. Like we don't, and like, thankfully, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the Roe versus Wade. So, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, but that was it. Like, it's been but they've been talking about that forever now, like and building campaigns around it. And and over the last few years, we've seen Democratic 
candidates and progressive organizations take that on, including, I mean, Planned Parenthood has always been doing that, I feel like, but, but, but I think even more so now, maybe, I don't know if that's accurate, but um maybe it just feels that way it just but, feels that way yeah. i mean it's just they know it's just one more thing to add to, for all of us to do you know like we're going to now be fighting this and forever right and so now it's like they can pass a bad bill and we can challenge it in court and that like they've stacked the courts so we lose and in some cases you know, court precedent is law. That's how right. you base. And I don't know how accurate this is, but I, I feel like I've, I know that, or I feel like I've been part of discussions where people are wondering, like, should we even challenge the law because we don't want to have that precedent set? Well, those. Is that, am I off on that or is that. I mean, logically, that makes sense, right? Like, and it isn't again just reproductive rights. This is really everything. I mean, it the right. It isn't it's the whole ball game. It's the whole ball game. You know that. And fortunately, though, look here's the bright side. I think that this has galvanized this movement, whatever it may be, in a way that is energizing and. Um exciting right like people are engaged and involved in ways that they have never been before um and i just hope that stays well thank you so much for coming jamie we will we will try to march alongside you and make the courts sexy again it was an honor i feel like the courts were never sexy though so i mean like this oh, is <laughs> the courts are sexy as hell talk talk judicial to me i'm <laughs> What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. <laughs>